Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now wherever you're listening. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Usually that's Noel, but he's not here today. And we promise that as far as we know, our compatriot is not possessed. We are, of course, joined with our super producer, Paul Deccant. They call me Ben, you are you, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. The power of podcast compels us. Yes, it does. (laughs) To perform certain rituals at certain times. And this is one of our rituals that you and I have been doing for a number of years, Matt. We, We research something strange. We may conduct an interview. We may travel somewhere. And then we come together in in this place and... With our Coca-Cola holy water and mm-hmm. pour it into our mouths. Uh, at least I do. I think you have... You've got straight up coffee today, which is just as good, if not better. And our, our relics are with us, our microphones, our uh, headphones. Yeah, our... our uh, Smelly pop filters. Mm-hmm. That was a subject of discussion before we dropped in. Everybody uses them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you have coffee breath. That, it's all good. Sometimes you have Coca-Cola breath. My strategy, by the way, is I, I'm pretty specific with this. I try to stay away from the mic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to get right, right on it. Yeah, fist length. Voiceover, yeah. 
And additionally, one could argue, if we were to look at podcasting as a, a ritual or a rite, that what you and I are doing now is incantation. Ooh. Because we do spend, uh, you know, you and I especially have spent a lot of time behind the scenes or, or off air, off camera, saying, you know, what, how should we approach an idea? Should mm-hmm. we structure it? Is there a power in formula, in ritual, in right? And we think there is. Yeah. At, at least to an extent or in a way mm-hmm. because it you expect it. You uh, as a person receiving a ritual in, in this sort or a, an incantation like this, um, I don't know. It's it's almost as if it triggers a thing that is already implanted in your brain, the pathways that are already there because you kind of know what it is. Mm-hmm. But then it's going to open up new pathways that are connected to that one. Right. That's a question that you might want to ask yourself, longtime listeners, friends and neighbors. Have we primed you? Have we programmed you to anticipate certain stimuli and respond in certain ways? Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> First time listeners, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> hope you en- hope you enjoy it. Before we jump into today's topic, we want to start with a quick quote that kind of sets up maybe the the framing of mind for some of the people who think in the same way of these characters. Quote, "Today, the world does not turn from God because it is idolatrous. Rather, it pursues pure atheism." so as to put science on the altar. And that's from Father Gabriel Amorth, and he is someone we will get to a little later. Matt, what what do you think of when you hear the word exorcism? I see images from film and television, mostly film, uh, movies. The Exorcist in particular, I have very vivid images of a body rising uh, off of a bed of mm-hmm. vomit coming from a mouth of a discolored face. Um, that is possession in particular. And then when I think of exorcism, I think of holy water and I think of um, reading from a Bible, mm-hmm. reading the word of God, um, other symbology, crosses, uh, artifacts of that sort. Sure. Bibles. Yeah. Vestments. Yes. The touching of hands. Mm-hmm. Um I, that's what I see, a very Hollywood version of exorcism. Agreed. You know, and I, I, I believe that that's something common. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, at least in the West, when we hear the term exorcism, we think of, as you said, Hollywood, a good horror film. Well, yeah, because most of us haven't experienced a true exorcism or what would be considered a real exorcism. Mm-hmm. Right. At least in that in that specific Catholic yes. framework, right? In the past, on this very show, almost four years ago to the day, wow. we covered the phenomenon of exorcism in general, along with how it differs across time and cultures. We'll give a brief background of exorcism and possession here. And for more in-depth information, please check out our earlier episode, Exorcisms. 
an introduction. Not the most creative title. Eh, you know, that's exactly what it was, though. It was. It was. I it think was. we did a pretty good job. I really liked that episode. I went back and listened to it, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Not, not that I expected it to be terrible, but 2014 <laughs> was such a long time ago now. We were just know? learning what the show was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We were like priests conducting our first – okay. All right. All right yep, yep. Yeah, we're going to let that analogy go. So here are the facts. The, the brief background, broad stroke stuff Matt and I will give you here is the following. The practice of exorcism predates the existence of all Abrahamic religion. Judaism, Islam, Christianity, all of it. This stuff was old beans by the time Jesus Christ or Moses or any of the other uh, religious figures, mm-hmm. right? Mah- uh, of course, Muhammad and so on, uh, before anybody else came into uh, the the fold or the zeitgeist yeah. of spiritual belief. The, the concept of some kind of spirit entering a corporeal body somehow and no. then taking it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Non-consensually entering yes. and being non-consensually pulled. Yep. Uh, by the time the story of Jesus Christ casting spirits into pigs came about or by the time you know people heard that story, mm-hmm. whether they heard it in an oral tradition, whether they – who knows, witnessed it themselves mm-hmm. or whether they – read about it mm-hmm. centuries or millennia later, the concept of exorcism would have already been more than familiar to the audience. In ancient Samaria, in Babylon, exorcists already played a prominent role somewhere between that of a priest and a doctor. And it's it's pretty fascinating because the rituals from what we know, of course, a lot of this is lost to time or publicly available knowledge has been lost to time. Uh, the rituals would vary, but they still relied on artifacts, techniques, and as you said, Matt, the the main goal was to drive out uh, a spirit. They might not have used the word demon, maybe more like spirit. A spirit that, yeah, again, non-consensually was there probably of a bad nature, a negative right. nature. Right. Uh, and this could be in some cases, this could be a human spirit, a ghost, right? Uh, an angry ancestor. In other cases, though, in a way that's more familiar with us now in the modern day, it would be something that never was human. Yeah. A, a monster. From another plane, kind of. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they would concoct these, um, magical substances or potions, these relics and artifacts composed of animals or plants or, you know, different stones that were thought to have various powers in the world of sympathetic magic. We're talking about iron from meteors, reeds, flower, animal hair. Birds were really big Mm -hmm. in this time and birds still are symbolically hugely important, right? Oh, yeah. They're they're thought to possess – or they have been for a long time thought to possess some kind of supernatural power, especially white owls, white owls. And and you have to imagine that image would be startling in a way. And, um, you I guess you can, you can just imagine viewing one just perched outside a window or something or perched outside of a home, just sitting there in a tree and gazing. Now we have both lived outside 
of urban areas in the past, mm-hmm. right? And I believe, uh, I believe Paul has as well. I have to admit, even even as someone without Noel's crippling fear of all things avian, when I unexpectedly see a large predatory bird, yeah. I mean, that's a double take moment. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say I'm startled, not frightened, because usually the, for a long time now, I've been a bit too large for the average bird to attack. Yeah. Uh, but have you, have you ever been in a situation where you hear a slight rustle and you turn to the left and there's a hawk or a falcon or something? Yeah, I have two really fast stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the other day I was driving to work in the morning. It was very foggy outside. It was the day I posted on our Instagram a couple of pictures mm-hmm. of Atlanta in this heavy, misty fog. Conspiracy stuff show. Feel free to follow us. Yes. Well, as I got to the stop sign in my neighborhood, I looked to my right and I see – I'm not really sure what it is at first – and then I realized, oh, it is a large brown hawk, mm. very large, about the size of a cat, a large cat. And it has its wings wrapped around something. It's sitting or standing on the ground. And something is like kind of twitching and moving underneath its wings. And you can see it kind of readjusting itself. Mm-hmm. And then it opens its wings a little bit. It sends its beak down really fast around the neck of this squirrel that it's got trapped. And it's, and then it's holding it down still. And I swear it looks up and it looks right at my car because I just stop and I just stare at it for a little while. It stares at me mm-hmm. and then I go, all right, I'm moving <laughs> on and I'm driving carefully just in case <laughs> this is an omen of some sort. And the other one is in my backyard there, it's a fenced in area. There is a family of large owls and I didn't realize this Oh wow! until one night I took my small dachshund terrier mix out in the back to go to the bathroom. Buddy. Buddy. And I heard a sound that I was unfamiliar with. I did not know what type of bird it was. I didn't know anything. I just knew it was a large bird and it was just above me in this large oak tree. Was it a vocalization It was a heard? vocalization that I cannot reproduce. And uh, Oh, it sounded like a curse word, huh? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was so eerie mm-hmm. and I didn't know until when I got this a uh, powerful flashlight out of my house, shined it up, and it was just this huge owl perched on this tree. And it was, again, like just staring down at the source of light at me. And the feeling, even now, in mm-hmm. in then 2017, was of dread of some sort. You know, and don't be fooled by the vocalization either, because owls are some of the quietest predatory birds. Mm. Uh, I can completely understand where you're coming from. And that's so cool that you live there because you know your chances of having any sort of rodent problem have just yes. bottomed out. <laughs> yes. Very, very true. Anyway, that's enough on owls. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. That is enough. And then, you know, things like ravens would be thought to be messengers. Yes. Owls also um, – But owls were more associated in these ancient times, in Samaria at least, with insidious powers, the powers of darkness and death and decay and evil, right? Yep. Whereas ravens, ravens were like bad news, but owls. Just the messenger. Owls were terrible news. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, 
of course, you, you could probably see this coming, folks, the idea of water. Water symbolized the presence of Ea, the god of water. So it was often sprinkled on the victim of a possession during incantations to symbolize the cleansing of the victim, right? The influence mm-hmm. of the god of water taking away the contamination of yep. this evil spirit. Symbol we see with modern-day baptisms. Right. Exactly. Hole-in-one. Spittle, by the way, was especially important. It was thought to be a potent toxin when used against demons. And that's, Spittle? Yeah. Like, saliva. Wow. So that's why several ancient texts refer to these sorcerer priests as kasapu, however it's pronounced, which was Arabic for to poison. And the Sumerian equivalent was mint, saliva, or spittle. Wow. The idea being the poison in demons. And as you pointed out, many of the vestiges of these older practices can be seen in exorcism rituals and rites around the world today. Incantations. The use of sanctified or holy water, the use of animals and relics. In this episode, for the strange phenomenon we'll examine today, we're going to focus on Catholic perspectives concerning exorcism. So what if we are asking the Catholic Church, if we're hanging out with Pope Francis and we ask him, what's exorcism? What does he say? He's going to say, The act of driving out or warding off demons or evil spirits from persons, places, or things which are believed to be possessed or infested by them, or are liable to become victims or instruments of their malice. And that's according to the Catholic Encyclopedia. Right. That does sound like it would be a bit of a complex sentence structure to (laughs) generate off the dome, doesn't it? While the treatment of this perceived condition, spiritual possession, may vary from one culture to the next, the idea is extraordinarily common, as we discussed in our previous episode, throughout history, and the gist of it is pretty much the same across time, culture, and space. An evil, typically non-corporeal entity or non-physical entity invades a physical vessel In horror films or horror stories, this is often a person, Mm -hmm. often a kid who turns really creepy or an elderly person because those two ends of the uh, mortality cycle of humanity are the things that psychologically tend to creep people out the most. Yeah. Well, and in a way are the weakest parts of that bell curve. That's a great point. That is a really great point. Um, Also – However, places or objects may be considered infected. There's an excellent article on our parent website, How Stuff Works. It's called How Exorcisms Work. And they break down some of the approaches that the Catholic Church takes to exorcisms. This article, by the way, is solely based on Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And we can't stress it enough. Exorcism, possession, it is not a Catholic thing alone. It's just something like if you hear about it here in the U.S., you are most likely going to hear about it through this lens. Anyhow, according to this, the 
Catholic Church recognizes not one but several types of exorcism, and some of them may surprise you. Yeah, the first one is baptismal exorcism, and this is when you bring an infant, like a baby, Mm -hmm. uh, prior to being officially baptized into the church. Um, You bring it into the church to cleanse it of the evil resulting from its original sin, which um, is dark in a way, but it's also the least worrisome of the types of exorcism. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is simple exorcism. And this is more of a blessing really than pulling things out of it so much, I guess, in a way. But you're, you're blessing a place or a thing. So a physical object to rid it of some kind of evil infestation. Right, right. And you see similar th- – this sort of thing while qualifying as exorcism is something that you would see in other cultures, perhaps the idea that you may have heard from some of your college roommates in the past of burning sage to Mm -hmm. purify a place because something bad happened there. Then, of course, there's real exorcism. The the real deal, the one we all hear about performing the capital R right of capital E exorcism to rid a living human being of possession by a diabolical entity. And that brings us to another question. How do you know whether someone's being possessed? How can you tell the difference between someone who's just being a real a-hole versus someone who's become an unwilling vessel for infernal forces of the, you know, the left hand mm-hmm. of darkness, right? According to the church – There are several telltale signs of demonic possession that anyone can sense in general. You don't have to be a member of the clergy to notice these things. Speaking or understanding languages which the person has never learned, it's different from speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. glossolalia, uh, because that is believed to be um, indicative of religious ecstasy. Whereas speaking in fluent Aramaic Mm -hmm. or something is considered to be a sign that there's a a different entity at the wheel of your mind. Yeah, the traditional speaking in tongues is – it's just gibberish. It's doesn't – it's not actual formations of words or sentences Mm -hmm. uh, generally. Uh, then there's knowing or somehow revealing things that the person has no way of knowing. It just – if it was regular times and this person just was existing in their life, there's no way they could have known this. Clairvoyance. Yes. Yeah, in uh, physical strength beyond the person's natural physical makeup, which is an interesting thing because we know in times of great stress – that can actually happen. Hysterical strength is a thing to some degree. Uh, and then a violent aversion to God, the Virgin Mary, the cross, and other images of the Catholic faith. Yeah, which, again, we have seen over and over. So where does that leave us today? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. So today, exorcism remains the subject of this intense interest across the world, for peoples across the world, uh, both for believers that think exorcism is real and Mm -hmm. you're actually bringing evil spirits out of a person and skeptics who think it's just a strange uh, ritual that's just stuck around. An historical artifact or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point, Matt, because one thing that you notice is that even the people who, you know, the, the people, I, I refer to them as pseudo-skeptics who are so into their idea of being a skeptic that they have severely crippled their ability to apply critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Even even those people have um, a huge interest yeah. in, in the concept, right? Uh, it's entertaining in horror and in fiction, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also fascinating just from an anthropological perspective, right? Oh, yeah. Well, with the quote we had at the top of the show – it seems in this world of science that in which we exist right now mm-hmm. that exorcisms should have just been left by the wayside, and they most certainly haven't. 
Exactly. Yeah, modern science often proposes that historical cases of exorcism can be attributed to a number of different mundane causes, mm-hmm. including things like mental mental health issues that would not have been recognized in the same framework through which we recognize them today. Stuff like schizophrenia, right? Mm-hmm. Possibly dementia, yeah. for instance. Uh, or even arguably in the case of the elderly Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, anything that seems to dramatically change someone's behavior, their emotional state or distress them. Uh, other undiagnosed, unrecognized diseases, genetic conditions – and then the more complex the uh, the more complex phenomenon of social pressures or behavior running in contravention to social mores norms or values of the time mm-hmm. are you, you you know one thing that would happen in patriarchal societies right are you a woman who doesn't want to be in this arranged marriage yeah you must be possessed by the devil how else would you have a problem with this it's not you. It's this demon that said you shouldn't marry this 50-year-old man in your 12. It must be. It must be. Call the priest. So how far do we take this idea today, though? Are there literally modern exorcisms in the Catholic Church? Spoiler alert, yes, of course. But if so, how seriously does the church take them? Here's where it gets crazy. Again, like we said, while exorcism might seem like this artifact of some, you know, the bloody religious history that we've, that humanity has experienced, it's still taken very seriously by the Catholic Church. Uh, more seriously, in fact, in recent decades than it had been prior to that. The, uh, there is this thing that this episode is really all about called the International Association of Exorcists. And here, here, let's, let's talk about it. This is a Roman Catholic organization and it sounds ancient. It sounds like something that would have been created in the 1500s, the 1600s or something. But no, it wasn't founded until the year 1990. And there were six priests that got together, including Father Gabriel Amorth, with the quote at the top of the show, and Father Jeremy Davies. Right. Uh, Father Gabriel Amorth is someone that we touched upon in a couple of previous episodes. He was born in 1925, uh, exorcist for the Diocese of Rome. He claimed to have performed, I believe, over 160,000 uh, exorcisms. Whoa. Yeah, during his – now, he was a priest for uh, decades and decades he was often called by reputable news sources the Vatican's chief exorcist, which is more – I think we have may have said that as well. It turns out that's more the um, translation because he is exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, but he's not he, – he wasn't – there's not some sort of – Joint chiefs of staff for exorcism in Rome, and yeah. he, he's not the guy with the most stars or the the biggest epaulets or whatever. Uh, he was a priest for years and years uh, before he became an official exorcist, and that's something we see with a lot 
of Catholic priests, yeah. it's it's not something that people enter into on their first day of seminary. He was a priest in 1954 and he did not become an exorcist until 1986 under the tutelage of Candido Amantini. Uh, he loved the film The Exorcist. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. He loved it because he thought it was substantially correct. That was based on true events. Uh, and he thought the special effects were exaggerated, but he, he picture him shrugging and going, ah, it's a, you know, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, in defense of this film, he said that uh, he was in an interview with the London Sunday Telegraph and he stressed that people need to know what we do. We, in this sense, being exorcist, the different the the different uh claims of the number of exorcisms that Amorth conducted the reason for that difference is that there's no central database for the amount of exorcisms either performed per year performed in total uh but we we can make some guesses on some of the stuff later uh but, but that's why you hear his numbers differing. In October of 2000, it was reported he had performed over 50,000 exorcisms. In 2010, he said the number was 70,000. But by May of 2013, he said he had performed 160,000 over the course of his career. Uh, an important note here, as we said, there are different types of exorcism. Yeah. So that could count everything from praying for a bad place to be cleansed of some sort of influence to the stuff you would see in the film, The Exorcist. Yeah. So this guy who has, you know, had already by the year 1990 had a lot of experience with exorcism. He and uh, his buddies, his uh, compatriots, um, along with Jeremy Davies, they form this organization and there are only six people at this time. But then by the year 2000, there are over 200 members of this association. And uh, the purpose of it in totality was to increase the number of official exorcists across the world, which is, you know, I guess something you would want to do if this is a problem that you see. Um, and Father Amorth hoped that the existence of this organization would shed light on what he saw as this growing and often ignored problem, which was demonic possession, real demonic possession, and also a lack of priests with the knowledge and authority to perform the rites of exorcism. Important point here with that phenomenal growth from 1990 to 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, so from over the course of 10 years, it went from six to 200 members. It still was not formally acknowledged or approved of by the actual Roman Catholic Church until 2014. But a lot of stuff was happening in the interim because of those 200 members in 2000, several went to a, a national meeting of exorcists organized in 2004 mm -hmm. by the Archbishop of Mexico City, Cardinal Norberto Rivera Carrera. Uh, the purpose of this meeting was to fight back against what they saw as the spread of Satanism to discuss ways in which to use the word of God to denounce everything that is against God, which isn't just it, – it's everything – it's similar to the approach – that the NSA or other 
post 9-11 intelligence agencies take toward rooting out terrorism. We Anything talk, against national security. National security, probably a better way to put it. So uh, it's anything loosely associated. It's, mm. it's sort of the mentality where um, everybody's playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but now it's six degrees of terrorism, six degrees of Satan. So it's not whether, it's not whether something is openly associated with what they see as um, the powers of darkness with their, uh, by its practitioners, right? Like most people using a Ouija board are probably just playing a game from Parker Brothers, right? Maybe. Maybe. But in this mind, they're, they're saying, well, whether, regardless of whether the practitioners or the audience feels this is an infernal thing, we are going to combat it. We are going to root out every piece of possible influence mm -hmm. that might be coming through these outlets. So what, what kind of stuff is this? Everything from witchcraft to magic. Uh, to occultism, fortune telling, the new age movements of using Ooh. crystals for healing, even masonry. Oh, and important note, that's Freemasonry, not just bricklaying. Are you sure? Because I don't know. Churches I, are built of stone. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Um, the meeting itself was attended by over 500 people. Most of these people are priests. They were from all across Mexico. Um, all of them were somehow involved with exorcism, whether, mm. you know, they were new to the game or seasoned veterans. Um, besides Cardinal Carrera, other notable guests included, as we kind of mentioned before, um, Father Mario Angel or Angel Flores Ramos. He was the director of theology at the Department of the Pontifical University of Mexico. Father Giancarlo Gremolazzo, the president of the International Association of Exorcists at the time. So he is the the president of the association uh, that we discussed earlier. You also had Father Gabriel Amorth, the founder of that association, or one of the founders of that association. Mm, he's the driving force, sort of a yes. president emeritus. Yeah. yeah, sure. So there's a big question that comes up here. And, oh, I, I, all right, before we get to it, just to, to paint some of Father Amorth's character. Okay. I, this is an unrelated story we found in our research that I, I that I think is worthwhile. Okay. So Father Gabriel Amorth was not just a not just an exorcist, right? Listen to me, just an exorcist. Mm -hmm. uh, those guys. They will you know what? They will really mess up your weekend. Just on a side <laughs> note. Yeah. Uh, so the was not was not merely an exorcist or, or did not relegate his integrity or sense of purpose solely to these ideas. He also, he, he also fought against what he saw as corruption within the Vatican itself. He famously in 2012 attempted to blow the whistle on one of the Vatican's most enduring mysteries which was the disappearance of a child named Emanuela Orlandi. Hmm. In 1983, she disappeared. She was 15 years old, child of a Vatican employee, and it became a mystery that was never going to 
be solved. And people have made various claims about it. In 2005, an anonymous caller to an Italian crime show on TV said that you could find evidence of what happened to her in the tomb of a mobster who was gunned down by rival gangsters in the 90s. But in 2012, Father Amorth said that the girl was abducted by people within the Vatican and part of the establishment who had a sexual motive to the crime, that she was forced to take part in child abuse parties. And he has the quote here, the network involved diplomatic personnel from a foreign embassy to the Holy See. I believe Emanuela, Holy See being the Vatican. I believe Emanuela ended up a victim of this circle. Uh, He told this to an Italian newspaper called La Stampa. And he dismissed the various plots going around that it was something, some sort of wet work, black bag stuff between intelligence agencies or that it was attached to the mafia. Mm. So this was a guy who took a stand for things that he felt strongly about and was not afraid to make enemies. Yeah. Which seems to me that he may have been a divisive figure in a place like the Vatican, which definitely practices uh, its own sort of omerta or code of silence when it comes to these crimes. Yeah, I'd say so. I wanted to add that. I know it's a bit of a derailment, but it it is important because I do think it it paints his character as a man unafraid to speak truth to power, which is an all-too-rare trait in the modern world and probably historically has been a very rare trait. Yeah. But that aside – those are bona fides to me uh, in in regard to his character, even though obviously not going to – I don't agree with the person. I've never met the person, so I don't agree with everything they stand for and what they say. But I am impressed when someone does their best to speak truth to power and then leads us to ask a question, why did this man – organize this international association? Why did he travel to Mexico City? Why did he begin to recruit a cadre that later became an army of exorcists? What's the big deal? And we'll explore it right after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. We've returned, and thankfully, we have an answer to this question. We don't always have an answer to questions, no, no, no. <laughs> but in this case, we do. The formation of these organizations marked a strange trend in the world of possession reports and exorcism requests. Mm-hmm. As we said, there's still no publicly available central database tracking the number of exorcisms performed, but we're able to make some guesses about general trends based on reports from these associated organizations, influential priests like Amorth himself uh, or Gremolazzo, and the reports of exorcists serving in specific archdioceses. For several decades in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, reports of possession and, you know, requests for exorcisms had been on the decline. They've been reducing in number because for years after the Roman Catholic Church's Second Vatican Council or what they called Vatican II, that was electric boogaloo. (laughs) God, everybody at our job uses that joke. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, well, it resulted in new church practices, like the official church practices that uh, were deemed compatible with the contemporary world. And in this case, uh, with this Vatican II, it was taboo for priests to speak of Satan as if a a physical or a, a Satan actually existed. Right. So not Satan as a real thing, Satan as a metaphor for the struggle to grow closer to God. That was uh, 1962? Yeah, roughly around there, 62, 65. Mm. Um, however, in the more recent decades, as we're getting closer to today, exorcism requests didn't just 
start to grow. They didn't just inch up a little bit on the scale. They spiked way up, especially here in the United States as well as in the United Kingdom. And cultural scholars will often argue that this rise is coming out of the, you know, possibly what you could see as the spike would be the premiere of The Exorcist, which became a huge blockbuster hit. 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with subsequent satanic panic that occurred here in the United States and elsewhere um, in the, the late 1980s and 90s, where just interest in the scary parts of possession, interest in belief that maybe there's Satanism occurring in the town where you live, where groups of people are getting around to worship Satan and hold rituals. And to the true believers, however, this is a signal of something much larger at play. And this rise was such that as of 2016, despite the formation of the International Association of Exorcists, the Catholic Church was having serious problems fielding all requests for exorcisms as many of the older exorcists were aging out or dying and many of the newer, less experienced priests were frightened of enacting the right. And again, this is, you know, serious stuff in this world. These these individuals will be priests for decades before they tackle their first, you know, real exorcism, mm-hmm. quote unquote, to use the description in how exorcism works. Yet again, a fantastic article <laughs> by House of Works. I did not write it, so I feel fine bragging about it. It was written by Julia Layton, who always does wonderful work for yep. us. Two of the most prominent exorcists in the United States, a fellow named Father Gary Thomas and a fellow named Father Vincent Lampert, note that it's not the church demanding more exorcisms, which it can do, right? It was on church orders that Mother Teresa was actually exorcised before her death, but rather the people, the lay folk. In Father Lampert's experience, only one out of every 5,000 or so requests is someone afflicted by a full demonic possession. He does say, however, that he has conducted countless exorcisms related to demonic obsession, demonic vexation, and demonic infestation. Yeah, you also, you'll also hear demonic oppression. Uh, amongst mm-hmm. those terms mm-hmm. where it's it's slightly different little different things going on but it's not a human being that has a demon inside of them that needs to get out okay right so it's some kind of external a lot of times external yeah. so so maybe maybe there might be a physical malady or being influenced in some way sure Right. And uh Father Lampert also says that half the calls he receives are from non-Catholics. Hmm. And this, this is interesting. This is a point that we need to make in defense of the Catholic Church's process here. Not a defense of the Church overall, of course. Uh, but there's a pretty rigorous system built for the analysis of a initial possession report. Because the Catholic Church and the exorcists in the church are trained to come at this from a very skeptical place. Yeah. The, the first thing they will do is, is consult with 
everyone else to find any other cause. With people of science, we're, we're talking about uh, sure, neurologists. Therapists, yeah. Uh, people, psychologists come out and make sure there's nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. See an actual physician, make sure there's no other malady. I have to say that that part of this whole process does make me, I don't know, think there might be a little more sand to it because the church itself as an organization is saying, well, we're going to weed out the stuff that isn't actually possession. Well, and also to be objective about it, the Catholic Church is such a massive organization that if there were not some sort of filtration system, it it would just be inundated yeah. with these things. And it already it already is. Uh, we but think about the donations. Donation are donations mandatory? No, but I'm saying if you charged, if you. Uh, had mandatory donations for the performing the rites of exorcism, and you have that many uh, requests oh coming gosh. in. Whew. Just That's, saying, that is diabolical. That is, <laughs> is. a terrible, terrible <laughs> thing. Oh boy! You know what? Uh, Father Gabriel Amorth would not approve. Uh, <laughs> he has passed from this mortal plane. Yeah, uh, the organization. The association of exorcists rather still exists, and the current president would probably also disagree. Yeah, we have some quotes from him. Uh, Father Francesco Bamonte, he says, quote, when listening to a prayer to the Virgin, the demon shows all of his hatred and fear toward her. He is forced to confirm that Mary is the mother of God and that she intercedes for humanity. Satan is not the god of evil against the god of good. Rather, he is a being who God created as good and who, with some angels, also created good by God, became evil because they refused God and his kingdom with their free and final choice. Satan and the spirits at his service, therefore, are not omnipotent beings. They cannot perform miracles. They are not omnipresent. They cannot know our thoughts or the future. And uh, just to know that that is a man speaking in 2016, uh, the the current president of the International Association of Exorcists um, truly believes, at least himself, and in the fairly large organization that he represents and heads, uh, believes that that is true. That that is a problem that humanity must be must continue to deal with. And they very much believe. Both Monte and Amorth, when he was alive, very much believed that the that Satan is a is a real thing, right? Amorth also, in in regard to the sexual scandals and corruption rocking the Vatican, he he believed there was evidence of uh, corruption by the Antichrist. Hmm. So the foretold and much feared. Uh, force of Satan embodied on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. He thought that was real and there uh both both of these both both of these individuals and many of the people serving in the International Association of Exorcists believe that this rise in possession, a rise in reports of it in an increasingly secular world uh come about in reaction to and relation with 
the division between spirituality and science, mm. right? Yeah. As, as, as we said in this quote. So are people more likely to be possessed? To say that would, would require us to say that possession itself is real or something like it, mm-hmm. right? Or are people just searching for some sort of spiritual explanation that they find lacking in an increasingly unspiritual world at at the time and uncertain yeah, times and uncertain times <sighs> no kidding man right. at the time of this recording exorcisms continue to be on the rise for the more skeptical in the crowd or those who wouldn't subscribe to the idea of catholicism or the Catholic perspective on exorcism, this indicates hysteria or failure to recognize the difference between a good popcorn-worthy horror flick and the facts. For the true believers, however, the late Father Amortha among them, this is indicative of something else, something larger, something very dangerous and all too frighteningly real. It is important to say that he is not alone or was not alone nor were his uh, colleagues. Other organizations have formed to combat the rising tide of alleged possession and the rising request for exorcisms. There's the uh, Pope Leo XII Institute based in Milwaukee, which was founded in 2012 to support the, quote, spiritual formation of priests to bring the light of Christ to dispel evil. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this thing, it started as this, just a series of meetings, informal meetings, at the request of bishops in the United States. It wanted – they wanted training, really. They needed more people who could perform exorcisms. So they wanted education and training. And it was just – it's also a response to Pope St. John Paul II's recommendation that every single diocese should have an appointed exorcist. And a spokesperson with the United States Bishops Conference said, although ideally every diocese should have its own exorcist, there are no statistics kept by the church to the actual, the, the factual numbers of how many exorcists there actually are. Mm-hmm. There are also classes and courses offered by the church on exorcism and the Catholic church has actively been training experienced priests in the nuts and bolts of exorcism, how to evaluate a case from day one, how to request permission and ultimately if need be how to act, how to, Mm -hmm. how to enact the right here. And on a side note for this, we should also acknowledge that while we have focused on the Catholic Church's efforts to combat this rise in exorcism requests, they are not alone in the game. Uh, other Christian denominations, evangelical as well, have also begun conduct, uh, combating what they see as a rise in possessions, in spiritual afflictions uh, from demonic forces. This is a rising tide across multiple things. I guess what we're emphasizing here is this is not a matter of three elderly or six elderly priests high up in the Vatican social hierarchy who were able to push through something that they were interested in, like that high-level executive at Sony who was able to push through uh, psychic experiments. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> right? And this this doesn't seem to end 
after uh, some of these folks have passed away. And, and we want to ask you, we want to end more on a question here. Is possession or something like it real? And do you think that the spiritual interpretations of it are accurate or do you think they are a cultural framework on something else? Right. Yeah. And if so, what? Yeah. And what's the closest you have come to experiencing a possession or exorcism? Like, mm-hmm. have you been looking, peered through a door and seen one? Mm-hmm. Have you been a part of one? Yeah, we would love to hear your stories. And then perhaps more importantly, I won't speak for you, Matt, but from, from my end, more importantly, why is it on the rise? Because that's the spookiest thing. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you believe in this, whether or not you are Catholic, whether or not you are spiritual in, in, in any remote six degrees of Kevin Bacon sense of the term, it is inarguable that these reports and requests are rising. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fantastic segues, it's time for our... Our first tweet comes from What Up Saucy. Uh, what Up Saucy <laughs> says, Wow, I'm still sh- my pants from that gloomy Sunday episode. Well done, gentlemen. Hashtag Thursday. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. We all, we all really, uh, we already, all really put some blood, sweat, and tears and some late nights into that one. And, uh, we're, we're so glad that someone enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, people have been asking us for an unbleeped version, an uncensored version, but I don't think you're going to get one unless you search for it and you can find it online somewhere through the fringe festival which you might be able to i you know i would love to i would love to get some version of that out we also have a when we originally wrote it we had no idea that we would eventually put it on this show no so so we really leaned into some language there but yeah maybe we can get an uncensored version out we'll look for it but we also will have some more things like that on the way. So if you enjoyed that, stay tuned. And if you'd like to hear more of them, write to our bosses directly, uh, tag how stuff works, wherever you find the social media platform, say, we want more of this. And, uh, who knows? It might happen. You might make it come true. Yeah. You might, uh, manifest it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, another shout out from Kate Landis who says, conspiracy stuff, I once went to the doctor for an abscess. They told me that antibiotics don't do anything for a normal abscess, but that doctors like to prescribe them to make the patient feel like something is being done. Then they prescribed me antibiotics. I didn't take them. Hmm. Good on you, Kat. Kate? 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 C-A-Y-T. <laughs> Kate? I think it's Kate. Oh, with a, with a little Australian Kate accent? Lannis. Yeah, Kate Lannis. I will, I heard one of our, I, I was checking on some of one of our earlier episodes and you did a great Australian accent. I, you know, I did the same thing and you were amazing at your Australian accent. Did I? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I can only do it for maybe four very specific words and unfortunately none of them form a coherent sentence. <laughs> but, uh, but to Kate's point, that's, 
that's a very valid concern. We know that the overprescription of antibiotics has been a literal case of something they don't want you to know. Yeah, making all the stuff that those antibiotics are supposed to fight even stronger if you don't mm-hmm. take the full dose in the right you know, amount of time. Right. And uh, yeah, it's it's really bad. So then everybody else taking antibiotics decreases their ability to fight the thing because the thing is now stronger. We should maybe we should look into some of that. The current state of antibiotics. We did rise of the superbug, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if we've looked at. I don't know if we've looked at it too recently, and unfortunately, the situation is changing. Only getting worse. Man, I I I pulled up Pandemic Two again, that yeah. online game, and I started to play it, and it just got too depressing because. It could happen. Yeah, so it's a little too real for for my taste. Well, thank you for writing to us. Um, our last shout out for the day comes from Sunshine Kid Twenty One, and Sunshine Kid Twenty One says, "Could you guys do a podcast about root canals? I heard it was a scam and it causes health problems, etc." Thanks. I love the podcasts. Hmm. Root canals as a conspiracy? That's interesting. I had heard that uh, the the metal filling. That is used the amalgam that is you is that what it is amalgam uh, that mm-hmm. is used in cavities can have dangerous health effects potentially uh, root canals I'm not too aware of but I will say it's honestly surprising that dentistry uses some of the same old techniques and has mm-hmm. for, for for quite a while for decades uh, but it would be interesting to look into oh. Do, do you see that? It's Josh and Chuck. They're waving at us. They're like, get out of the studio. Oh, I thought that was just a hello wave. Okay, well, I've just been waving to them for like five minutes. So, oh. oh, sorry. Maybe we- that's all they're doing. Oh, nope. Nope. I'm pretty sure I know what that sign means. They're holding up a sign. It says, this is the end of your... And they are correct. However, it is not the end of the show. Matt, Paul, Noel, and I will be back very soon. We hope that you will join us as well. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. <laughs> and that's stuff they don't want you to know.com, where you can find every episode we've ever produced and some videos and some other stuff. Pictures of Ben. If you want to look at pictures of Ben, go to stuff they don't want you to know.com. <laughs> you really sold me out on that one. <laughs> and there are pictures of me too. And there are a lot, uh, and you can find various different stories that for one reason or another might not make it on the show yet. Hey, are you listening to Ridiculous History yet? You should be. It's the show that our friends Ben and Noel are hosting. It is really fun. And you guys are doing some really fun stuff with guests on your show uh, that you've t- discussed with me about. And then I've been listening to it as a oh, fan thanks. because it's really, really fun, specifically with our uh, complaint department here on this show, Mr. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Strickland. Oh, yeah, who is available for any complaints or concerns 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Jonathan.strickland at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, and, you know, we value the complaints. Keep us honest. Make sure you send them to the right address so we can mm-hmm. treat them with the import they deserve. Uh, you might be asking why 
why my longtime colleague Matt is not on the show Ridiculous History. There is a reason. It turns out that Matt is one of the masterminds behind one of the most popular shows on Apple Podcast as we speak, Atlanta Monster. If you like this show, you will love Atlanta Monster. Yeah. Uh, subscribe today. New episodes every Friday. We're uh, looking into... The missing and murdered children cases from 1979 to 81 in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, start listening if you're not already. And with this very long goodbye, we will end with a message for everyone who doesn't care for social media and all that uh, hullabaloo and uh, ephemeral liking and sharing or whatever emojiing people <laughs> are doing now. You can write to us with an idea or topic directly. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.